This is the Tech Talk for Accountants show with your host, Andrew Lassis, where every week we have a new guest to discuss the latest technology, apps, tips, and tricks to help you improve your accounting firm. This episode is brought to you by Tech for Accountants, an IT firm that specializes in cybersecurity for the small accounting firm. Many of our clients used to work at big firms that had all this crazy security and then went to work for themselves, and while they knew it was important to have great IT security, they just have too many other things to worry about and don't have enough time to actually learn this stuff. What we do is help bridge the gap so that even small accounting firms have great security at a fraction of the cost of doing it themselves, and it's all done for you. We offer listeners to the show a complimentary IT audit and consultation. Just go to tech4accountants.net slash podcast. And you can book a free IT audit. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I'm your host, Andrew Lassis with Tech for Accountants IT, specializing in the accounting industry. And with us today is Corey Knoyer, who is the partner and director of corporate development at Growth Lab Financial. And today we're probably going to be digging in to some esoteric crazy thing off the wall, but we're also going to try to hit on automation and some of the uh, concepts and ideas that go behind it. So Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Hey, you know, can't complain. We, we dodged the bullet with the hurricane. So I'm uh, mm-hmm. you know, grateful to be in, in uh, that position. But Corey, why don't you give us a little background on yourself and for those who aren't familiar, what Growth Lab does. Sure. At Growth Lab, uh, we kind of describe ourselves as a finance as a service firm. Uh, we're based out of Rhode Island, but pretty much kind of all across the country with our team. Um, our core is really accounting, uh, accounting, bookkeeping, CFO and FP&A, um, tax. And most recently, um, we've kind of dabbled and gotten into more of that automation uh, side of things, um, basically doing automations for other accounting firms. So we work with you know other small businesses, venture backed on the accounting and FP&A, um, and then accounting firms on more of this automation side. So, so, so both sides of the uh, coin, and you know one of the the topics that comes up a lot. And curious, I mean, obviously you're going to be partial to to one side on this, but the the concept of like the built by accountants for accountants versus built by a developer who was told what to do by accountants. So what's kind of, obviously you're going to have a stance on it, but what, what are some of the, your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a loaded like answer on this, right? I mean, I think that if you have the skill set, right? Blanket statement first, like anyone can do it, right? Anyone can develop an automation let's just like take that for a second right like anyone can develop the automation if they know how to use the tools but i think you get a different level of support and uh, insight when you use someone that knows your pain right like that was the whole reason we went into it was because we experienced those pain points ourselves because we're an accounting firm at its core and so we knew what automations would and wouldn't work for certain workflows and so i think when you get us like a specialist not that the generalist, you know, to use labels here, like not that the generalist couldn't do it, but a specialist is able to understand your position better. And I think that's when you can get more value. I mean, obviously you're going to pay maybe more for a specialist than a generalist, but um, the outcome, the long-term outcome, I think you can get a lot more. I mean, that's, you could make that argument for medical, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I've... <laughs> 
I have like an orthopedic surgeon versus my generalist and my generalist is willing to give it a shot for, <laughs> for 10 times less. And it's like, yeah, but I'd rather have someone that's got like some experience under their belt versus like a trial and error and has the understanding of it. So I'm obviously on team specialist as well. I mean, you know, our company literally specializes in it for accountants and can we, can we perform these tasks? On dentists, chiropractors, literally anything. Yeah. Sure. You know, it's it's yeah. not a blanket exactly the same, but like, are we just as qualified as any other general generalist to be able to perform these tasks? Yes. However, understanding the nuanced differences and the answers to some of the questions that someone wouldn't know if they're not a specialist, you know, just the, the time that it takes to look up the answers, understand the answers. Yeah knowing whether or not to ask the question to begin with. So having a specialist, yes, the cost, if you only look at the cost as a cost mm -hmm. versus the benefit and long-term output and long-term gains that come from having a specialist that maybe could bring to the table something that you hadn't even thought of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've run into this a lot on our side, you know, like, master of the IT for accountants, but also like generalist jack of all trades on one side. And one of the things that we, we know it backwards and forwards for our own side, but obviously not to the level uh, that we'll dig into. But I've mentioned many times on the show that I'm a fan of Zapier. And for those that aren't familiar, it's basically a, as I'm good. I was going to say GUI, but then it's like, if you don't know what Zapier is, you probably don't know what GUI is. So it's it's a visual way of programming without having to learn how to program. So more of the layman are able to automate some tasks. So for instance, when we get a new receipt, we can take that receipt and put it directly into a Google Sheet without having to copy paste. So it's a one-way automation that not anyone, but many more people could set up mm -hmm. than needing to hire like a full developer charging hundreds per hour to yep. be able to accomplish a lot of the same tasks. Now with that, with its simplicity also comes its limitations. Mm -hmm. And so while you could know the product backwards and forwards that you are confined to the restraints that they give you. And sometimes those restraints it doesn't allow you to do what you want it to do. And maybe you'll have to use a different vendor. So for instance, ours was when we get a new client, we wanted it to autofill into a DocuSign, which seems pretty straightforward. There wasn't an integration with our shopping cart to DocuSign, and there wasn't a Zapier to create and fill in the company name and their address and, and the price, which is just like, how does that not exist? But you know, these were the limitations of the products that we had. So what are some of the, the cutoffs where something simple that anybody could use like a Zapier, where, where would that end and where would an organization like growth lab begin? That's a good question. I'm going to like almost relate it for a second back to the generalist versus specialist. Because I think there's like a time and a place for 
both, right? Like whether it's Zapier or we use a platform called Make. It used to be called Integromat, but that's just basically Zapier on steroids, if you will, right? Um, you can do a lot more in-depth coding and stuff. But I think there's a place for all of it, right? Like I'll recommend, I'll recommend Zapier to people depending in firms, depending on where they like what they're trying to do and where they are, because it doesn't make sense to go specialize in something, right? Like I think there's a place for generalists. And I'm curious your thoughts on this. Like there's a place for generalists, maybe even in IT at the beginning of their business, right? Like if you're just trying to set up your website, random example here, right? You don't need a a specialist that used to work at Google and HubSpot to set you up a basic website when you just started your business, right? Just get a developer or someone that knows how to do it. Now, when you're five, 10 years in, you have a, like, you have a sustainable business that's growing. Maybe you want a more specialist that's able to focus on conversions or, you know, optimization or like these other things, right? So I think there's a time and place for them. I think to your question, like, where does, where do we fit in post Zapier? I think it's depending on what you're trying to automate. So if you're just trying to automate a simple task, such as if this, then that, it's kind of how I think of Zapier, right? If then statements, Zapier is oftentimes like a really great tool and it's DIY. Now, as we all know, like Zapier in all of these platforms, right? This is not a Zapier, but these platforms break, right? The APIs break, the integrations break, your automation breaks. Like it just happens. It's natural. It's no one's fault. Um, and so what we do is we focus on workflow optimization, workflow automation. So automating an entire workflow, not just tasks, and then we'll manage it for people, right? So like that's a key component as to where people, I feel like fall off the Zapier, like love, if you will, is because I built the Zapier, it's supposed to automate it. Now I'm having to spend time, go and manage it. And that's what we take care of too, so. Yeah, so the management on the back end side, and that is something that is important. I mean, we were going, and this is actually a great anecdote when you when you hit into the something breaks and you have to fix it yourself. So mm -hmm. our CRM is fresh sales, not a promotion or anything of it, but just that is what we use. And um, this was a couple, maybe two, three months ago. Uh, I noticed we got zero leads in a day, which was uncharacteristic. We're usually between 30 to 100 and on days when we're running campaigns like over a thousand. So it seemed very odd that we had zero in one day, but it happens, you know, it, it was coming up on a holiday. I think this was like right before Thanksgiving and it was like the Monday of Thanksgiving week. So it's like, you know, people are off, like maybe just it happened. Right. And then the Tuesday also was another zero and the Wednesday was another zero. And, and it was like, it was like, I find it hard to believe that we kept getting zeros over and over and over. Like it, mm -hmm. it could be the case. And so I had investigated into Zapier of what was going on and discovered that fresh sales themselves had changed their own API. Yeah. And so before it used to look up by email address, just blanket, it looked up by email address. And then they changed their API to look up by um, item ID or email address. And so on all the zaps, you had to choose how you want to look it up. So all of our things were failing because, you know, it's not like we were in depth in it and knowing that these things were happening yeah. and I just had to feel the consequence of it 
not happening. And, you know, it's what if, you know, we're someone that's only getting zero to one leads per day and we're just seeing these zeros and missing a whole bunch of opportunities off of this one thing. So luckily I'm able to go back retroactively, put them in and it was a headache, but and for all the automation that we have on it, like I'm not going to be copy pasting a form into our CRM, in, into the emails that come out on explaining how things work and the training. You know, we mm-hmm. we're very big on the automate what you can that doesn't require a human being to get something from point A to point B to point C. You know, automate what you can. And you had shared with me a diagram, which is, um, you know, for people that are listening uh, to the audio won't be able to see, but I'm going to pop it up on the screen for people that um, are looking at the the, uh, video version. And so you can see here, this is over the course of five years, and you could see the amount of time of your life that it would save you if you're doing a task for just one minute, 50 times a day, you're going to save eight weeks of your life fixing that one minute task. Mm-hmm. Or if it's only five times a day, you're saving six days of your life. And that's not work days. So if yeah. you're looking at work days, this is, this is times three. So 18 yeah. days to save one minute. Or if it's just one minute per day. That's three days of, of a, like a three work days. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're talking one minute. You know, yeah. Most tasks take more than one minute. So if you're, if you're just doing like quick math on someone that's even getting paid, say 10 bucks an hour, 24 hours, you're spending $240 for a one minute task. It adds up, you know, and I think the, the counter also to this though is I think there's a sweet spot between what you should and shouldn't automate because I think one of the beautiful things about Zapier and one of the things I love about it is that it helps anybody begin to start dabbling in that, right? So you have a small business, like you have a large business, you can start playing with Zapier and beginning to automate some of your tasks and workflows. But I think there's like a slippery slope that people go down of just because you can automate it doesn't mean you should automate it and you don't have to bring it back up. But on that graphic, there was a, there was, I think at the top of it, it was if you're saving one second or if you're, even if you're saving one minute and you're doing it once a year, it was like, you're saving five minutes or something like that. Right. Which is sure in the moment you may say, I can automate that. But to go back to our point, if it's going to cause you breakages, which it's going to, right. And you're only saving really five minutes, 10 minutes over the course of a few years. Is that worth it? Just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? Yeah. When when it's just a, a minuscule, like one click versus two clicks, there's there's going to be a time and place. One of the, the counters that I, I have on that as someone that's pro-automation, I mean, obviously you're in the same camp, but the the counter on it, so over the course of five years, when you get a new employee, so the average millennial time at an organization is two years. So we have to factor in there that you're going to be training three people to do this task yeah. over the next five years. 
So how much training goes into that for one second, maybe not much a five minute task, there's mm-hmm. going to be a little training, a little nuanced. So yeah. there's going to be time spent in training that person to do it. And then if the person humans make mistakes, so we're also eliminating the human factor yeah, and, and you know, how much, how much impact that's going to have. Again, this is a, a one click versus two clicks. What difference does it make? Yeah. But if it's running a, a PL, for instance, and we were, we had talked a bit about a live flow. I think at some point Anita will be here. Um, but the, the idea of having, you know, we run the PL and then our, in our organization, this is one of those tasks that takes a couple seconds to do really. I mean, mm-hmm. we're already in QBO. So running that report, copy pasting the, the net profit is, is what we're looking at on the KPIs per, um, per week and biweekly is our pay period. And it has happened over the last, we've been tracking it, uh, for the last three, four years, it happens that there's a mistake and say it was sometimes it's an honest mistake, a one-off. It's not going to change the trajectory of my company that, okay, we had a bad period or we had a great period if the numbers continue to be the same. But say, for instance, hire a new person and they don't know the difference of gross profit versus net profit or sales Mm -hmm. versus net profit. And we're thinking just from looking at the metrics that we're doing incredible and I try very hard to not be one of those organizations that looks at the bank account and just makes guesses off what's mm-hmm. doing. I'm, I'm a fan of hard numbers, but you know, that person's making a mistake. And unless we go in and audit yeah. the, the mistakes that are being made, having automation in that, it's going to eliminate the possibility for human error and the story that's built up in your head that it, like we see it with a lot of a lot of new employees where they will say something matter of factly that actually isn't accurate falls on us for not having a thousand percent of the training and making sure that they have everything memorized. But they say it so matter of factly that they believe that's true. So in the automation side, even though this is a task that only takes a couple seconds because we're already in there, the impact of having correct, accurate, consistent numbers without having to train and explain. There's a big benefit. So I would say that the impact that the automation has and the predictability, and not just on the Zapier side, but just automation as a whole, having that task completely completely automated, having the consistency of it, the reliability. And you know, when you're when your brain has to switch tasks, there's also that lost time of, yep. of multitasking. So there's, there's a lot more to even just that simple chart, which explains you're saving yep. five minutes, you're saving days per year off of just five minutes. This, it can go way deeper. And, you know, coming back around to the specialist, you understand the implications of having these things. I have a programmer that doesn't know anything about um, you know, about finances. And we say, we want to automate net profit. And he throws in gross profit. 
And it's like, ah, it's got the same word. I didn't notice that there was another one. Mm-hmm. And then we're looking at wrong things all the time, whereas a specialist wouldn't make that mistake. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And also, you know, there's a lot of tools out there that allow you to begin automating these things. And I agree with you, like, what is the bigger impact outside of that chart of the time savings, right? And whether it's live flow, which is awesome, or whether it's like Zapier. Um, But I think what it comes back to is, do you know your processes, right? Because if you just begin automating it, and like, once again, I'm obviously a huge like proponent of automation, right? But if you're going to automate it, what you need to make sure of also is how, who manages it and who, like, where does that fit in, right? Where does it fit into your organization? Because if you just build an automation and you just say, okay, now it's automated, it's off everyone's plate. That's also very dangerous, right? Because like you said, you could, you, something could happen and you could miss it. Right. And so I'm a big proponent that automation has to come with an understanding of what is your processes? Like, what does your workflow look like for whatever value stream you're talking about, whether it's finance or operations or sales? Like, who is in control of that value stream? Because then it has to fall within them, right? It needs management still to some degree. Different, but. Yeah. And, and that's a good point that I think a lot of people take for granted. And being the, like, automation person in the company. And that's one of the things that I sort of geek out on where yeah. I can find it's a few fun. minutes here and there. But I definitely have run into the limitations of Zapier and had to hire developers to solve problems that were things that were very important that we needed to get automated and have consistency and things like that. And, you know, the the cost, it's like what $100 an hour, $200 an hour. That seems so outrageous. But compared to spending that over time, like there's there's a lot of of impact that you can have not to mention okay there's an opportunity cost so mm-hmm. 5 days of your time in billable hours that have now opened up yeah so there's the flip side to more opportunity organization has more capacity to take on more clients mm-hmm. so there's there's so many different angles to play when it comes to automation and the idea of it's not just a cost that you're looking at, but when things break, especially if you don't have fail safes in place or periodic checks and you just kind of feel like it's broken, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah. someone brings it up, things like that are it's having the the management on the back end side of it and coming from someone that's done this a ton and dabbled. I mean, I have a couple of years experience in programming just in general, like enough to be dangerous for sure. But with that danger <laughs> comes my assistant. Who's like, why did you automate this? I was, <laughs> I was fine spending 10 minutes a day doing this. I'm like, but don't you see the impact? She's like, I want it to be done my way. <laughs> that's a, that's also been something that we've encountered with a lot of firms, our own included, like, you know, making sure that people across the team and across the organization also understand that when, at least when I talk about automation and when I like try and push automation, it's not from the lens of getting rid of people. Like that's not, that's not the goal or ambition whatsoever. The goal with the automation is, as you put it, 
It's like the reduction of errors. It's like the scalability of it, right? As the business grows, the automation should in theory just scale with it, right? It's not to replace people. And I think sometimes if you talk to people and you just say, like, I'm going to automate this for your job, a lot of people can get scared by that. And I think that that's like something that we all have to take into account too, right? Is making sure that they understand that that's not the ambition here. Yeah, and that's one of the arguments that happen with offshoring mm. is that, you know, you're, you're taking away jobs. And I mean, really the way to look at it just from a business standpoint is operationally, you, the people that have the higher value tasks, the people that you're paying more money, you know, you could have your director of operations who's making a healthy salary doing all these copy pastes the same way that you could have somebody who through geo arbitrage is making, you're spending a whole lot less. They're producing the same amount. And when there's like a pretty much hundred percent right way and wrong way, if you can figure out the correct filters and things like that, like there's a ton of benefit that can come with it, which I mean, we've obviously hit on, but it's not about taking away the jobs. It's frankly, the way that I look at it. And I mean, just on a business standpoint, people are in a service-based industry for the most part, people are going to be your largest expense. Mm -hmm. So it's not about taking away jobs that currently exist, but being able to open up their capacity to be able to perform more tasks, high value tasks. Like, could you imagine if everybody in the organization was just only doing billable work at all times Mm -hmm. and everything else on the back end just, uh, just worked? Yeah, that's a lot of like, unfortunately, that's a lot of CPA firms is right. It's just like grinding it out. And one of the ways that we've approached our team internally is like, what do you actually enjoy doing? And what do you not enjoy doing? Right. And let's find ways to automate the things that you don't enjoy. Albeit like within that realm of like what's actually saving time and and making a substantial impact, as you put it, but also what do you actually enjoy doing on a day to day basis? Right. Because as you put it, people are your biggest expense in service-based businesses. And if you can keep the people around you happy by doing things that they actually enjoy, like that impact is going to be exponential as well. And people like to feel like they're having an, a greater impact than just, you know, what's your job? It's like, I copy paste a bunch of things mm-hmm. and I make sure that this is good. And you can have a whole lot of fact checks going into things. You can have a whole lot of like one of the things we do is our credit card merchant versus when our salesmen get a sale and they submit the sales sheet, which sets off the automation of tech needs to know that they have to do this. People that are creating WISP need to know that they need to do this. Here's the information when we're shipping out items to the clients, like give a notification to the person who handles that check the address to make sure that like, there's a whole lot of layers to it that just over time, you know, I've, I've identified and, and, um, fixed, but the people who are working in my organization, they're talking to customers, you know, that's not something, I guess, I mean, you know, some of the larger organizations and this isn't just exclusive to them, but the press one for this now type in your account number. Now tell me, tell me in a few sentences why you're calling. And then you talk to the human who asks you the same thing. It's like, we just wasted a bunch of time. It's like that they haven't really gotten it down some places, 
that's mindless automation right there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's automation for the sake of automation that doesn't help anybody. But it's like, yeah. hey, we we could check the box that we yeah. have this. And we <laughs> since the person's already said it once to the robot, they they're better at saying it again. <laughs> <laughs> to, to now, our agent. How about from your perspective, I'm curious, around the security with automations, right? Using tools like Zapier um, or Maker, things like that, right? There's, a, there's also a level of like understanding the impact of technology through the lens of the security factor, right? Yeah. And that's, that's a great point. And um, I had shared with you earlier how we were, we had hired a a developer to create a dashboard. And it was just something that I didn't know how to do. This wasn't really like a, we need to hire them for the automation piece. It was just, I didn't know how to do it and felt that it would make more sense to just hire an expert to do it versus trying to figure it out. It's just not my zone of excellence. And especially when it comes to like design and things like that. And so they did a great job, but you know, a lot of the information that we were sending over to the dashboard, you know, it's coming from the sales sheet, which internally, I mean, it's going to have our client's name, phone number, email address, you know, personally identifiable mm -hmm. information. And so we had to look at it through what information needs to actually be sent and be involved in this process. And so the easier way in this case would have been, here's the API key, full access, everything, everyone. And, you know, there has to be some sort of inherent trust with all the vendors that you're working with and why, if you're going through like a SOC compliance or something through the IRS, why you need to identify your vendors and why you work with them, which, you know, it's a good question to ask versus they charge less than mm -hmm. other people. You know, they have a great reputation, like this person uh, particular, he had done dashboards for it wasn't, it was like Fiat, like some like gigantic company that's like, if they had a data breach, it would have like made the news Yeah, <laughs> where I'd love to think that ours <laughs> <laughs> would, but at the same time, you know, very, very sensitive information and not sure of the audit that they went through. But, you know, when you're working with gigantic organizations, there's, that level of, okay, they've done this before. Not to say that because you got hired for that job that they did all their due diligence, but it's at least a, you know, you're building the story of if there were a data breach and that was the vendor that caused it to happen, you have to be able to put together your side of the story of here were the thoughts that I had, here was my decision-making process and things like that. But on the security side, like you're saying, you do need to identify what is the information that must go into this. And so for the reports we were looking at, it was for our salesman's sales and the monthly recurring revenue. So the information that we needed to get out there, it was the transactions with an, an item ID, which no one's going to be able, or a transaction ID rather, so if, if I told you that my most recent transaction ID was 2085725, there's nothing you can do with that information yeah. without having the other piece that doesn't have access. Mm -hmm. So identifying what do you actually need to get involved? Because it would have been easier for us to just blanket, send everything to this sheet that, that matches 
everything are in the database. Just send everything because we'll be able to use everything. But there is a security aspect of it, of people are involved. And you know we make our own employees go through a whole lot of training, a whole lot of certification. And part of that is required for the work we do. Part of it is just you know, if we're here saying you need good data security, like we need to practice what we preach, yeah. but it's, it's a very good point that I think a lot of people, and we'll say some of our clients where they're just, here you go, hop on, do what you want. It's like, I mean, we're on the, we're on the right side of the fence and you obviously did due diligence with us, but it's like, man, some of the, some of the practices of people, and maybe it's, they don't know what they don't know, but Ultimately, you can't transfer liability. It's going to fall on you at the end of the day. So the security aspect is actually a great question. Yeah, and I think that that's that's something that we try and focus on too. Like even on the accounting front, right? We work with um, small businesses. They say, "Okay, yeah, here's my bank account log," and and we're like, "Hold up, pause." Like we don't we don't want that, right? We we take read only because we need that. But some people like. It's astounding to me how liberal some people are with just giving away some of that information. And, you know, it's, it's a good learning point for a lot of people. Like while we like to believe that everyone is good, you just can't, (laughs) you don't know what's out there. Right. And so we don't even want access to that information. A lot of times, right. We'll turn it down. Yeah. I mean, there isn't an upside to giving people more access than they need. And one of the things there is, it it didn't get a whole lot of publicity, but I believe it was someone big for, I believe it was Deloitte. They had a data breach uh, a few years back. And what, what it essentially was, was someone who was a former employee had an admin account. And when they left, they didn't close that admin account. They didn't have two factor authentication. They had reused a password, something, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. Right. And the the implications of does a former employee still need access to these things? No. And it was an administrative position and they needed access when they worked there to what they needed access to. Now, let's say that in that particular situation, it was somebody low level intern doing data entry that didn't need all of that access. But it's easy to just say here, unlimited access. That way we, do, we don't run into the potential problem of you can't get in, you know, it's giving, it's leaving the front door completely unlocked because it's inconvenient to unlock it mm-hmm. when you're, when you're coming in. Yeah. And so, you know, the easier method is here's unlimited access to everything. And, you know, when you're on the good side, it's, it's okay. I recognize that you're doing this. It does make things easier, but this isn't, this isn't required. Yeah. And you don't want to run into you having a data breach because a vendor that you were using had a data breach mm-hmm. and you hadn't restricted the information that they need to only what they do need, as opposed to here's the keys to the castle, have a blast. Yeah. And I think that that's all roads almost lead back to this in this conversation, right? But that's kind of where I think also the generalist versus specialist plays into a lot of this, because if you understand the nuances of accounting firms, right, for both of us here, like, if you know the nuances of accounting firms, you know what that kind of, you know what that line is, right? You know, the implications of the 
the data that you're touching here, right? And if you're working with the generalists, while they may be able to do it, like they may, not saying they will, right? But they may use that information incorrectly in the sense of storing it incorrectly, right? It's like not having the proper security things, right? Like a lot of, we're working with accountants here, right? We're working with a lot of sensitive financial information, right? Um, and so I think having someone that understands the business and the implications to the stuff they're touching is critical for the stuff that we're doing. We're both doing. Yeah. And, and, you know, just in the same vein, like maybe someone could think, well, if you've been in business for eight years, why don't you have a sales dashboard? And we do. And the way to get access to the sales dashboard is being able to access the CRM and not only the CRM, but the, the place where we store customer customer data, here's your interactions with us over the course of, of since you've been a client, here's your tickets, here's all these things. And so you know, we're going through a lot of growth right now, hiring a lot of people. And you know, it's not that I don't trust the people that I'm hiring. It's not that they're not getting the proper training and things like that. But a salesman doesn't need to see everybody's entire journey to know what their sales are today. Mm -hmm. And so the platform that we use, it doesn't have a only show them reports feature. Mm -hmm. That just is not something that exists. So we're creating this dashboard. It's also beneficial to us, big picture to have this, but for our new people to come in and here is only the information that you need to know to see how you're performing today, this week, month, pay period, et cetera. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's restricting the data to what they need to know because anything can happen and, you know, knock on wood, it hasn't had, it hasn't happened to us. And the implications would be very, very, very bad if it were to happen to us. But, you know, it's just an extra level of, yes, I could give them access and what's the worst, well, the worst that could happen would be terrible, but it's taking away the ability for that worst case scenario to happen in the first place. And I don't think yeah. that there's much downside to having additional security in place to stop the problems from happening to begin with. And these, these aren't gigantic, like, oh, well, you have to be an IT specialist and go to school. I think it's funny. People say go to school. Like <laughs> nobody goes to school for this stuff. Like everyone's just like, I broke enough of my parents' computers as a kid. <laughs> like that's, that's the guy that I want working for me or girl. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like, where did, it's what school did you go to? It's like school of the hard knocks. <laughs> but I mean, for real, like I've bricked 20 of my parents' computers and owe them a ton of money because I've been playing around, but haven't bricked one in two years. And it's like, that's the person. Yeah. The, that. yeah. The life. But I think this is also like, uh, to your point on this, I think that there's also a level of like, when, when focusing on technology or focusing on automations or like focusing on either of them, I guess, um, understanding like how they play into your business right because i think we talked about this the other day where people oftentimes choose technology whether it's software applications like any any part of their business they choose technology just because it solves a like a, a small granular pain point right a hyper localized pain point not realizing the bigger implications of having the software right 
it's not just, it's the new shiny object syndrome of picking new software. And it's easy, right? I've, I've fallen victim to that too, of just, this solves my pain point. Let's go get it and download it and start using it. Right. And you have to take, stop yourself, say like timeouts, right? What is this impact, right? How does this fit into my other software? How does it fit into my security, right? How does this fit into my automations, right? And that's where I think like understanding your whole workflow, whatever that workflow may be is like critical through all of this. And, and as you're, you're bringing that up and then this conversation, it's like popping a bunch of ideas in my head for like other things we can automate. <laughs> it's like where my head always goes. It's like my endless to-do list of things that we can, we can get done and you know, how much time is in the day. Luckily we've saved enough five minutes uh, here and there to get that 21 hours, 40 minutes a year back because we've, we've saved this and people will come to me, can we automate this? And pretty much the answer is usually it's either a yes or no. It's like, yes, I know how to do it without thinking about it. Or no, it's just going to be too much work. <laughs> you should yeah. check out make, um, too. You should check out make. Um, I mean, I'm a big proponent of it to what we use, but, um, it's basically Zapier. Like I said, Zapier on steroids, um, with a lot of, a lot of granularity that you can use. So yeah, I think I, I think I'll I'll hop into that the next time that well, I mean, to your point of getting a new software just to solve a certain <laughs> pain point, right? It's like usually we'll go down the road of can we hire a developer to yeah. fix this piece versus adding another software and that's something that we've looked at and have shaved down over the years because that's exactly what we did was we had this particular issue with this one software. So we jump to a different software, which solves that pain point. But then we took for granted some of the things that were happening with the old one. And now we have two different software with two different sources of truth. Mm -hmm. And then when you worked at the company, it's like, okay, yeah, well, I mean, you know, we just did this. It's a new customer. I don't recognize their name or whatever the case is, but you get a new person in. And we had experience, we went from 30 employees to 50 employees a few years ago. We had gotten a gigantic partner that was just pummeling us with business. It was, it was great while it lasted, um, but getting new people in the door and explaining, here's 70 different softwares and we didn't have a learning module like we do now. And so it's like, here's 50 different softwares. And I know that you're reading this here and it says that their expiration date was last year. Don't trust it. It's a trap because the actual information is here. But if the information contradicts, you go back to the first one and look at the date that it came in on. And, and so then you're running into so many different, there's, there's endless problems that can come, but also, I mean, they could be the right solution. You could have outgrown a product that you're using and just need something that has to, you know, has more features, but that should be the decision in my, in my view of, I have hit the limit of what my product is capable of doing. And then the migration process, which is, they always pitch it as it's going to be easy and it never, never, ever, it's <laughs> never easy. And then you're juggling both of them because it's like, I know the old data is correct. So I got to make sure that 
the new ones mm-hmm. correct. And it's easier to not import these things, but I need it there. And then the, the juggling, I mean, <laughs> yeah, this, this hits a, a sore spot in, in me because of been down this road. I'm, I'm a big proponent of always suggesting that people use the, uh, the onboarding and integration services provided by the, by the platform because of that, like of, I've heard so many horror stories of, and we've gone through it ourselves of changing over from one platform to another, that manual migration process. It's yeah. yeah, You can go down the rabbit hole. (laughs) Yeah. You can go down the rabbit hole and you, you learn stuff. Like we, we were migrating uh, 25,000 clients onto the new platform and we discovered months down the road that and this is the kind of stuff that you just don't know until it's become a big problem that you weren't even aware of some of the imports didn't line up properly for whatever reason the csv just couldn't handle a twenty-five thousand import so then we have wrong data in the new platform and then i mean we noticed it it was like a month in so i mean we had to manually go back and fix a month's worth of checking and you know just broke it into five thousand batches to get it correct up to that point in the menu but yeah having having the proper things in place and not just jumping shit because you want to jump shit because there's one extra little feature mm-hmm. that maybe, you know, I'm not suggesting always band-aid stuff, but also if a band-aid will suffice versus reinventing the wheel and having to do all the training with your new employees. And, yeah. you know, that's, these are just one of the, the rabbit holes that you can go down and Corey, I want to be conscious of your time. I mean, we're, we're probably just going to go on forever unless we, <laughs> unless we stop it. <laughs> so thanks. Thanks for being on the show. Where can people learn more about uh, you and growth lab? Yeah. Check, uh, check us out at growthlabfinancial.com um, or on LinkedIn at growth lab financial as well. Um, but we'd love to talk to any other accounting firms, learn more about kind of what they're trying to do with automations and see how we can support them. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I mean, you could tell from from the flow of the conversation that there weren't questions where it was like, oh, good question. I'll get back to you after <laughs> I talk to my manager. You know, like you guys clearly know know what you're doing. And uh, as always, if you enjoyed the show, please be sure to share it and like it. Way we can get uh, people like Corey on the show who, who are willing to grace us with their presence. Hey, Corey, thank you so much for being on the show. It was great talking with you. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I hope you enjoyed today's guest. And remember, you can go to techforaccountants.net slash podcast to book a complimentary IT audit conducted by a technician certified by the AICPA in cybersecurity. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast.